Good morning, Goshen. If you would like to uh, stand up and join us for the first song. started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had a great wealth. Jesus looked around 
and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With humanity, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Good morning and welcome to chapel on this sunny November day. As the semester hurdles towards a close, we take this time to be in this space with each other as a community, recognizing God's presence among us and seeing God's face in one another. We gather today to give thanks, but we also gather to recognize the tension that comes with giving thanks for things that we have and others may not have. Today we will sit in that tension, not necessarily looking for answers, but embracing the discomfort that comes with that tension. The clear blue skies and migrating geese brought a poem by Mary Oliver to my mind, and I'd like to share it as a way of centering us this morning as we move into the rest of the service. If you're comfortable, close your eyes, breathe deeply, and do your best to absorb the words. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again, whoever you are. No matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting, over and over announcing your place in the family of things. At this point, I invite you to pass the peace with one another. I'm actually gonna have you stand again. And would you turn to number 327 in the blue hymnal. 327, great is thy faithfulness.
Spirit, lead me 
things that can make it difficult to be thankful. Some of these are related to cultural pressures. Our materialist culture tells us that we can never have enough and that we should never be satisfied with what we have, mostly so companies can sell us more stuff. But there are other reasons that make it difficult to be grateful, many of which have nothing to do with greed. We started planning this chapel service shortly after the election. And it can be hard to be thankful when we are afraid. And this is true all the time for many reasons. How can we be grateful when not everyone has what we have? Not just in terms of extra things, but in terms of basic necessities. How can we say that God has given us things like good families or roofs over our head or food to eat when there are so many equally deserving people who don't have access to these things? How can we be thankful for the comfort we live in when there are not enough resources on earth for everyone to live this way? How can we be thankful for what we have when the way we live is preventing others from being able to live, even much more simply, because of the environmental destruction and climate change we're causing? How can we make our religious thankfulness more than platitudes? I don't have answers to any of these questions, and our scripture passage today only gives us more questions. Often, when we hear the story of the rich man, it comes with explanations which allow us to leave the church service satisfied and go on with our day. Maybe it's okay to have material things just as long as we're not attached to them. Or maybe Jesus really means to show how impossible it is to earn salvation through works. Or maybe it's only this one rich man who has to give up all his stuff. And I'm as guilty of this as anyone. Clearly, instead of giving everything to the poor, I'm spending my resources to go to college. I sat down and typed this on my laptop computer at my desk covered in books and an electric tea kettle. Please don't hear me saying that I have this more figured out than anyone else. But none of these easy explanations fit with the rich man going away grieving, or with Jesus talking about how hard it is to enter the kingdom of heaven, and the rewards that the disciples will have if they give up um, worldly things. Anything we can do to make this easier to listen to, or easier to forget as we go on with our lives, doesn't do justice to the rabbi who told his followers that the kingdom of God belongs to the poor, that the difference between eternal punishment and eternal life will be made based on how we have treated those people who are hungry, who are thirsty, who are naked and sick and in prison. Wow, this is an odd Thanksgiving reflection, isn't it? What could those worship assistants possibly have been thinking of when they picked this passage? But there is something, something very important to be thankful for in this passage. We see it when we get to verse 21, right before Jesus tells the man to sell everything he has. 
Jesus looked at him and loved him. I don't have many answers, but I feel quite sure that Jesus doesn't ask us to do hard things just to make us miserable. Jesus isn't asking the rich man to sell all that he has because Jesus can't stand rich people and wants to scare them off. Jesus is asking him to give up what he owns because Jesus loves him and because Jesus loves the poor people who need the possessions of the rich man so that they can have food to eat. This is what is best for everyone involved. Jesus loves the rich man even though he hasn't given up all his possessions and God loves us no matter what we do or don't do. God loves us enough to go after us and call us to lives that make manifest the kingdom of God. The challenges of the gospel aren't things that we have to do in order for God to love us. They're what God calls us to do precisely because God loves us. We shouldn't try to be good in order to learn, earn God's love, and nor should we think that there are no requirements that come, of actions that come with the gospel. We should try to live the gospel because this is what God has made us for and because this is what is truly life-giving. I don't know exactly what you or even I need to do to live this out. And I especially don't know how this relates to the Thanksgiving holiday many of us are about to celebrate. But answering questions wasn't the point of this reflection, so may we all live in that tension. Unresolved tension and unanswered questions make life messy. But it's dissonance that moves us forward and gives us the opportunity to grow. It's uncertain and it can be stressful, but may we lean into that mess, embrace discomfort, and wrestle with deep questions knowing that we are not alone and that God sees us and loves us unconditionally. Thank you, Eliana, for that reminder. As we move into a time of response, we have three different stations available. First one is here behind me, where you may light a candle as a prayer for yourself or for others. In front, we have a poster board with a few markers, and you may write things that you're thankful for, even if that thankfulness also brings up tensions that were already named this morning. And afterwards, we will place the poster board in the quiet place in the basement of Culp, where you are free to add more to it as you wish. The final station is one that we haven't done in a chapel service before, or at least not in many years. At this station, you will find a couple students such as myself, Danny Aramuni, and then we also have a few GC faculty and staff and local pastors. You guys could stand so we can see you. And we are here for you. And most of us will be up here sort of in this corner, but a few of us will also spread out throughout the room. And we would like to pray for you. So if you would like to be prayed for individually about anything, please come and find us, and we'd love to pray for you. So during this response time, we'll also be singing a few songs, and feel free to join in.
You may stand if you wish, but you may also be seated if that's what you want. Oh God, how I need 
our sending this morning, we will sing, Go, My Friends in Grace. And after the song, you are dismissed, but you are also invited to continue in the stations and to be prayed for. Would you stand and turn and sing the story to number 57? Number 57. <laughs> 